Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. The word of the Lord. We're in a series this fall called God of the Impossible. We're looking at some of God's greatest acts in history, um, in salvation history. And we've been going through uh, different stories at different points in Israel's life. And today we're looking at the transfer between Elijah and Elisha. Um, and so you can turn in your scriptures to 2 Samuel chapter 2. This is also printed in your bulletin as well. Does anyone here have experience running a relay race in track and field? A relay race, okay? So we have some relay racers in the room. Um, and the way that a relay race goes is that you've got someone who is carrying the baton. And the person carrying the baton is, um, is called the leadoff runner. The leadoff runner r- runs as fast as they can around the track. 
And then once they get to the second runner, the second runner is waiting for them. And there's a season or there's a short time when the leadoff runner and the second runner are running together. And as they're running together, there's a point at which the, lead, the leadoff runner um, passes the torch, passes the baton forward, and the secondary runner reaches their hand back and they grab it and they run around the track and on it goes. And when that transfer happens well, the race goes well. Everybody wins. The whole team wins. The person passing the torch, the person receiving it wins and everyone rejoices. When it doesn't go well, it's a disappointment. It's kind of sad to see that baton get dropped onto the field. There's a delay. There's some grief. There's some sadness. It's still salvageable, but there's some difficulty there. Now, whether or not we run in a literal relay race, all of us have a baton to receive, and all of us have a baton to pass. And that baton represents the gift of God that he has given to us, that he wants us to give to others. And also that baton represents the gift of God that he's given to others, that he wants to use personal people in our life. He wants to connect us with them so that we can receive the gift of God from them. And that is actually one of the greatest miracles, one of the greatest sovereign acts of God is to connect us in these kinds of relationships where we can receive God's gift through other people and give the gift to other people. Now, when we're younger, here's what we're asking. We're like, does anyone want to pass the baton to me? Does anyone see me? Does anyone believe in me? Is anyone going to admit me into their program? Is anyone going to spend time mentoring me? Is anyone going to pass on responsibilities to me, pass on blessings to me? That's the questions that we're asking. Now, when we're older, we've got a different set of questions, usually, um, which is like, who wants my baton? Who wants the gift? Does anyone want to take the experience that I have? Does anyone want to take the, uh, the wisdom that I have? Does anyone want to receive the gift of God that, that I've been given, that I've been carrying? Or, you know, has everything passed me by? When the handoff happens well between the older generation and the younger generation, even if it's not a big span of years, but if that handoff happens well, guess what? Everyone rejoices. Everyone wins. Everyone is so happy. Um, but when it doesn't go well, it's sad. It's crushing. Because, uh, because there's some grief in the fact that you've been given a gift that wasn't passed on or, you tr- or um, no one passed the gift on to you that you really, really wanted. And so there are some people here are probably grieving the fact that you didn't get the gift that you were hoping for. The baton was not passed to you as you were hoping for it. Or some are here and you tried passing along a gift to someone and it didn't go well. You didn't pass it off well or it wasn't received well. Now, today's story is about one of the most successful handoffs um, from the God of the impossible. And and this is a successful handoff between Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, and Elisha, his protege. Now, what makes this handoff so good, so fitting, so successful, as it were, was not technique, not performance, but the grace of God working through human relationships. And this is good news for our relationships because we need a lot of grace in the way we relate with one another. Older generation to younger generation, parents to children, mentors to protégés, and it starts with finding each other. It starts with finding each other. Now listen, Elijah found his protégé, Elisha, when he was in one of the lowest moments of his life. He was in such a discouragement. He was in such a funk. 
And this was right after his great battle with the prophets of Baal, which we looked at last week. Elijah won this great spiritual battle on behalf of Yahweh. And, uh, and after he won that battle, what happened is that the queen Jezebel set her evil eye on Elijah and said, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you and you're done. And so he ran away and he got so discouraged. He got so depressed that, he's, that he actually asked the Lord to end his life. He became suicidal and he became so discouraged about Israel as well. He thought, man, this is over. Israel's done with this whole thing. I mean, I'm the only prophet left in Israel who actually cares about the name of the Lord. And so uh, he actually thought like, there's gonna be no more prophets. I'm the only one left and Israel's done for. And so like whatever attempt I made to pass the baton off is, is a complete failure. And, uh, and so what the Lord said to Elijah in response was this, very encouraging. The Lord says, go back home and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to take your place as the lead prophet in Israel. Enlist him immediately to join your fight against Baalism in Israel. And that's from 1 Kings 19. And that's exactly what Elijah did. Elijah went back and found his protege, Elisha, and anointed him with oil, probably prayed over him. And then, you know what happened? They became like father and son. They started hanging out with one another. And this was by God's design. See, this is one of the greatest gifts. God cares just as much about placing the right people in our life as he does about creating the universe and parting the waters and sending fire from heaven. You know, you and I are human beings. Relationships are everything. Relationships are one of the major ways that God will bless us and cause us to be a blessing in this world. It is a miracle when God sends the right mentors into our life, the right parents into our life, when he sends people into our life for us to bless, for us to love, for us to inspire or be inspired by. They found each other. But then after they found each other, what happened is they started walking together. And you know how in the relay race, there's that period of time when the forerunner and the secondary runner are like neck and neck. They're running right next to each other before the handoff. And this is what Elijah and Elisha did for a season of time. They walked together. And that was most of their relationship, walking together, eating meals together, performing miracles for the poor of Israel together, fighting battles together, like resting together. This was their life. And on one of these walks, Elijah and Elisha both realized this is our final walk together. This is the last walk that we have together. Both of them realized that. And 2 Kings 2 verse 1 picks this story up. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So at some point, you know, I don't really know how it happened, but Elijah realized my time is almost through and I'm about to go back up to, the Lord's gonna take me away and he's going to separate me from Elisha and my time as a prophet is done. And so he walks from Gilgal to Bethel, and that's about 15 miles. That's a 15-mile walk. And on that walk, he releases Elisha, who was kind of bound to him as his protege. 
And he says, you can go now. Like my time's done, you can go now. Um, but Elisha is so committed to him that he won't leave his side. It like happens over and over. Elijah says, you're released. And Elisha says, I'm with you till the very end. And as they reach their destination, they run into a band of young men called the sons of the prophets. Now you're going to love the sons of the prophets. Verse three, and the sons of the prophets who were, with, who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. All right, so who are these, who are these um, very intuitive sons of the prophets? These are, this is a reform group of young prophets who want to do the Lord's will. They've been inspired by Elijah. They want to be like him. And uh, whereas the kings were kind of corrupt, the, 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 the young guys that really wanted to honor the name of the Lord wanted to follow in Elijah's footsteps. It's like they're popping out of this sacred site. and They'd be like, what's up, Elijah? What's up, Elisha? You know, they're greeting them, but also they're giving what we could call annoying, unnecessary commentary about a painful subject, which is that Elijah is going to leave soon. And so we can see in this interchange, the sons of the prophets are like, hey, you know, Elijah is going to leave soon. Did you know that, Elisha? And Elisha is like, we can, he- we can hear the pain in his voice, right? Like, yes, I know. Like, I'm thinking about that all the time. And so please stop talking. Um, and we'll see later on that, that Elisha actually, part of, the, part of the gift, it's a bittersweet gift because when the Lord gives us people to pour into us, eventually we have to say goodbye to them. And that's a really sad moment. So he's gonna tear his robes. Uh, there's a sweetness to that too because he's gonna honor his mentor as well. Verse four, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha responded, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. All right, so they go from Bethel, an ancient site that the, where the Lord met his people, to Jericho. And remember Jericho, this is where the walls fell down. This is where Joshua and Caleb and Israel uh, saw a great victory on behalf of um, all of Israel, on behalf of the Lord. Maybe some of you have walked in the snow where there's been huge boot prints. Have you ever walked in the snow and you're like, I'm just gonna like follow in these boot prints here. All right, so, so we've got here a journey where the boot prints of ancient Israel are all over this promised land. And we've got Elijah and Elisha following in the boot prints, going from one sacred site to the next made, uh, with, the, with the footprints made by their ancestor. They go from Gilgal to Bethel, to Jericho, and then finally the Jordan River. Verse eight, and Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to one side and to the other until the two of them could go over on dry ground. Mark Twain is remembered to have said once, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does echo. It does rhyme. And here we see history rhyming and echoing all around Elijah and Elisha uh, as they walk together for the last time. It's like a pilgrimage through all of the sacred sites of ancient Israel. You've got the parted waters of the Jericho. You've got, you've got Gilgal. You've got Bethel. You've got Jericho. You've got the past, but you also have the future is popping out. You have the sons of Israel, the sons of the prophets popping out all over the place as well. This is who will carry forward Elijah's ministry into the next generation. 
And so surrounding Elijah, really, as he's coming to the end of his life, um, is all the people that he's influenced and the history that's gone before him. And remember that at one point, Elijah thought that his ministry was over and that his life was over. And, and he thought that he was the last of the prophets and that Israel was doomed. And now Elijah, on this final walk, can see right along with his protege, the larger picture, the bigger story that it was started by God's grace and it's going to be finished by God's grace. It's gonna continue after him and it started before him. And I just wanna pause here and speak to some of those mentors in the room who, um, you know, maybe you're feeling discouraged about what you've been able to impart or not been able to impart. And I just wanna know God has given you a gift. You're part of a larger story and he wants you to pass along your gift. There are others around you, you don't even know it, that are being inspired by you, encouraged by you, and want to receive God's gift from you. It's part of a much longer story, a much richer story. And God holds all of the threads and he's going to make it, uh, he's going to make it all right and true in the end. Um, because some are crushed, some are discouraged, just like Elijah was. And so we can even begin this morning to ask for grace to get us walking side by side with our own version of Elisha, with our own second runners. Those will come after us. So God's grace, you know, they matched up. God's grace matched up Elijah and Elisha. And he gave them the opportunity to walk together. But then finally, they're gonna bless one another. And this is a really beautiful moment. When they had crossed, verse nine, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, in their culture, what was a double portion? Double portion uh, was what the oldest son got as an inheritance from the father of any family. And so, uh, you know, if you had a large inheritance, if you had a lot of land, the oldest son would get, you know, twice as much. He would get a double portion of the land of any of the other sons in the family. Now, Elijah doesn't have any money to give but he does have a ministry to give. And what Elisha wants is Elijah's ministry. I want you to give me your ministry, not only the responsibilities of your ministry, but the Holy Spirit's power to accomplish that ministry as well. That is the gift that Elijah can give to his spiritual son. So for Elisha to ask for a double portion is to say this, hey, look, Elijah, you've been my spiritual leader and my mentor. You've raised up an entire generation of young prophets. You've poured yourself into them. You've imparted them a passion for God. You've also anointed kings. You've raised up kings. You've also confronted those kings when they fell into idolatry. You've healed lepers. You have provided food for hungry Israelites. You've defeated the prophets of Baal. You've survived assassination attempts from God's enemies. And you know what? I want to have that ministry. I want to carry that mantle. I don't want to accept that responsibility. I want to be as passionate for the name of the Lord as you were. And so I also, I need the power to do all of that. I can't just bear this responsibility without the power for it, without the anointing for it. And so um, he's really, he's asking Elijah for a miracle. He's asking Elijah for his final, final miracle, his final, final gift. And here's Elijah's response, verse 10. And he said, You've asked for a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. 
What's Elijah saying? He's saying, look, this mantle is hard. This mantle is heavy. There's a weight. And in fact, I can't even give it to you. It's got to be the Lord giving it to you. He's got to be the one to perform this miracle. If you see me being taken up from you, you'll know that the Lord is going to give you a double portion of my spirit and everything that goes with it. God has to open your eyes. He's got to be the one to empower your life. I think one of the best ways actually to experience God's power, the, you know, the, the ability of God to do the impossible is to want a blessing and to receive a blessing and anointing from someone that he's placed in your life. It's a really tender miracle, actually. It's a really beautiful miracle. And so I just, here's an encouragement to those who are younger, who are waiting for the baton, who are waiting for the blessing, who are waiting for the cloak, who are waiting for the mantle. I just want uh, you to know that your desire for that is good. It's right. It's really good to want to be poured into. It's good to want to be blessed. It's good to want responsibility. I want to encourage you to continue asking for it, continue preparing for it, continue praying for it, because we want you to take the baton, my friends. We want you to take the torch. We want you to carry it into the next generation. We believe in you and we love you. And it might take a long time, but don't quit asking for the torch. Don't quit asking for the mantle. Um, The timing of God is really important. And we can even see in the way that Elijah says, you know, this is in God's hands. You're going to have to see me being taken up from you. And then you'll know that you'll have the double portion. And Elisha's been waiting for this moment for a long time. You know, he's ready for this request. Timing of God is so important. Um, when, when you can receive your responsibility, you cannot force it. You cannot force it, but you can be ready for it. God knows, God knows when you're ready to receive responsibility. It is heavier than it looks from the outside, um, but it is really, really good to ask for it and to want it. Patience actually prepares us for this mantle, really prepares us for the, the waiting is such an important part of preparing to take the baton. So they're going to honor one another. Elijah honors Elisha by really releasing this gift into his life, saying, you know, God can give it to you. Um, but I, wanna, I want us to see a really special moment where, where the protege honors the mentor as he's taken up. Verse 11, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Praise God, he saw it. And, and what an exciting moment this must have been, but also a bittersweet moment because we can really see his heart pour out when he cries out in verse 12, my father, my father. You know, can you hear the, the connection, the bond? The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. So one minute they're talking face to face. They're like right next to each other within inches. The next moment, there is chariots of fire and horses of fire from heaven separating the two of them. Um, and Elijah then is swept up by these chariots and horses into a, it becomes kind of a whirlwind and he's taken up, he's ascended into heaven right before Elisha's eyes. And what a fitting conclusion to his life. You know, God is, 
is like demonstrating his great power and glory by sending fire from heaven to take Elijah up to, um, up to, up to the heavenly gates, saving him from death. And I even hear like echoes and reverberations of the great battle with Baalism and all those bloody battles, all of the, all of the ways that he like went toe to toe with idolatry and God just honoring his life by taking him up with chariots of fire from heaven. And his protege, you know, Elisha says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And I hear in these words, Elisha actually honoring his father in the faith with these words. You know, he's not telling Elijah, hey, did you notice the chariots? And, you know, it's like Elijah knows about those. What he's doing is he's, is he's saying, my father, my father, who is, who has been the chariots and horsemen of Israel. You see, look, during these times, Israel fought many, many political battles, many military battles. But as we read in, in, uh, in the history of Israel, the kings fighting those battles were not really fighting for the name of the Lord. They were corrupt. They were kind of fighting for power, fighting for ego, fighting for money. But you know who was fighting battles for the Lord God? The one who was really, truly fighting the Lord's battles in Israel was Elijah. He was the one who was really in touch with where God's heart was at, and he was willing to put his life and livelihood on the line to go toe-to-toe with idolatry. And, and Elisha kind of honors the one who came before him by just like shouting that out at the end, grieving that he's going, and, and like blessing him as he goes up. And now Elisha, having seen all of this, having torn his robes, takes up the mantle, puts it over his shoulders, starts to walk, takes the mantle off, goes up to the Jordan River, smacks it, and he's like, let's see if the Lord, you know, he says, where is the Lord, verse 14, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water parts. It worked, okay? The baton's been passed, hallelujah. And you know what Elisha does from here on out is he like runs with that thing as hard as he can all the way to the end of his life. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He mentors the young. He speaks truth to power. Everyone rejoices. The race continues. What a wonderful, successful story this is, right? But I just have to mention something, which is that when it came time for Elisha to pass the torch on, um, he passed the torch on to a guy uh, named Gehazi. Gehazi was his right-hand man that he walked with that he poured his life into. And you remember the story of Naaman? Some here know the story of Naaman where, you know, he's leprous and he gets cleansed and he, and he, you know, confesses the name of the Lord as a result. Well, Gehazi goes after him because he's rich and says like, hey, Elisha wants some money, which was not true at all. But Gehazi like totally gets corrupted by greed after years of being poured into by a righteous man. And this is really, really sad, but I think it's really important for us to see that handoffs a lot of times don't go well. And in, this, and, in, and in the story of the Lord God, he has grace for that. Because years later, what would happen? Elijah would come back down after being taken up into heaven. He would come back down and he would stand on the mountain of transfiguration, which is in our gospel reading today. And he would stand there with Moses And who would they be talking to and passing on the torch, passing on the baton, passing on the mantle of God's calling to? 
they would be doing that with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who, would, who was himself with some young prophets saying rude things, like, let's set up some tents for Elijah, you know, and stuff. And so, but Jesus Christ, you know what he did after that conversation with Elijah is he went back down the mountain and he went up to the cross and he gave his life for everyone who's ever dropped a baton or for anyone who's ever clutched onto a baton or refused to pass it off. And he went up on that cross for everyone who's sad about the blessing they didn't get because he poured out the blessing of the Father. And he went up on that cross for every single handoff that was like, that did not go well, that was sad or disrupted by sin or blindness or greed. And Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, before he was carried up into heaven, gave, his, gave those boneheaded disciples who themselves dropped the baton in some pretty profound ways, he gave them not only his forgiveness, but a double portion of his spirit. He imparted to them a double portion of his spirit. And you know what he even said to them, these, to these people who had failed? He said, you'll do greater works than me. You'll do, you'll do even greater works than I have done. And the Lord is still doing greater works through his people, his imperfect people, his, his people who have failed, his people who have a blessing uh, to receive, a blessing to give, and haven't always received or given it well. He has blessing for us. He has grace for us. If you're breathing right now, it doesn't matter how your life has gone. It doesn't matter how the handoffs have gone or not gone, what you've received, what you've not received, what you've given, what you've not given. My friends, listen, through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, the race continues and you do have something to receive and you do have something to give. And this is a miracle of the God of the impossible. Um, do you know that there are people who look up to you? I don't care how young you are. You have people in your life that are watching your life right now and they think you're awesome. And um, you, don't, you don't even notice, but they notice you and they're taking cues from you. Um, give them your gift. The gift God has put into your hands, give that gift to them. Notice them. Ask the Lord to identify someone for you. Identify someone for you that you can give your gift to. It might simply be... Um, a piece of, of wisdom, an insight, a story from your life. Here's the other side of it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, uh, there are people who would love to receive the gift that you have, even if others didn't receive it. So, so ask the Lord, hey, Lord, what can I give to someone? And also, I want to say something to those of you who are, you feel like you're missing a blessing you feel like you're missing training, you're missing that wisdom, you're missing that inclusion, whatever it might be. Um, the Lord has something to give to you through someone else. And he's got people he wants to put into your life. And so ask the Lord to open your eyes. Lord, who are you putting in my life? It might be a really unexpected person, a really, uh, that person that I, I don't even notice right now. So often, uh, looking to God for this miracle is held back by unresolved pain. We've got disappointments. Or rejections. We don't want to experience those again. And I just want to remember, I just want to end by remembering the low point that Elijah was in after his victory over Baal, that he thought the race was over. He thought his life was over and he thought Israel was over. And in that, it was in his lowest moment that, Lord, that the Lord connected him with someone very special that he would spend years walking with, eating with, 
fighting with, ministering with. And I want you to know, friends, that the Lord can do the same thing for me and he can do the same thing for you. And this is one of the greatest miracles of the God of the impossible. And so as we end, I want us to lift up our hearts, hopes, pains to the God of the impossible and ask him actually to do more than we can ask or imagine. So let's just spend a couple moments praying now as we end. And Lord, we, we just find ourselves both as runners and those uh, uh, who are passers of the baton and receivers of a baton. And, and I pray, Lord, now for the younger generation who stands poised to receive the baton. Lord, help them recognize the gift that you put into their hands and help them even now to begin to, to impart it and to give it away. May them, uh, Lord, just give them guidance, give them mentors, teachers, something, uh, uh, something special to carry forward. Give them a gift, Lord. Let them grasp the baton and carry it forward. And Lord, for those of us who've walked the path longer, grant, grant all of us discernment and humility. Help us to see people you're putting into our life. Help us see the potential that they carry. Help us uh, impart to them just the right amount of wisdom and, and guidance and questions. I ask, Lord, uh, that you would take our fear, take our pain, take our regrets, take the weight of past failures, and in exchange, Lord, give us courage, wisdom, and love as we pass on the baton or as we receive the baton, Lord, as we see in Elijah and Elisha and through Jesus Christ. And Lord, do give us that double portion of your Holy Spirit. Give us that vision of the day when the race is finished and the work is complete. We pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.